happy Mother's Day to all you moms. We, everybody in this room has at least one thing in common. We all have or have had a mother. And moms are spectacular. They're special. They're soft as a pillow and as hard as steel. They're all over the place, have to be all things to all men, like the Apostle Paul. And they're just amazing people. And I, as Pastor Andrew said earlier, uh, this holiday can be tough for some people who have lost moms. I can relate with that. I know what that's like. My mom passed when I was, was that 32 or 33? Something like that. It's been, a, it's been 13 years ago, this Thanksgiving, and, and the time just goes like crazy. But I, I read something to our church uh, two year, three years ago. And I want to read that today because Mother's Day will bring different emotions to different people. And at the end of the day, well, let's just, I'm just going to read this. To those who gave birth to their first child this year, we celebrate with you. To those who, have made, who may have lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience a loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointments, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make it harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. That's scripture. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who have lost your mother, we grieve with you. To those who have experienced abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience and we pray with you. To those who have lived through driving tests, <laughs> medical tests, and overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you. In our midst, to those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we believe with you that you will realize your dreams. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on these complex paths. To those who envision lavishing love on your grandchildren and yet the dream is not to be, we grieve with you. To those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. To those who place children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. Amen. Amen. So we celebrate you in whatever stage you find yourself in. We celebrate you, who you are, and who God created you to be because you are special. You're special. Dads can't do what moms do. Dads can't be who, who God created mom to be. We just can't. You are special, you are unique, and you have your role in the family that nothing and no one can replace. So you are valued, you are cherished, and you are celebrated today. Is that all right? Yeah. Amen. So happy Mother's Day. So we find ourselves in the middle, not the middle. This is the second week of this series. And if you remember last week, Pastor Andrew went to great lengths to say how this is the most important series in the history of what we're doing at the Life Center. Did everybody get that last week? Come on, we got to lighten up just a little bit. For real. Now, I, I'm going to be honest with you. It is 20 minutes till 11. 
And I am not joking. I am not, I'm obviously not lying. But I'm not even joking. I've got about an hour and 20 minutes of material. And there's no joke. So what I'm going to do, part one today, part two in two weeks after encounter. So you're going to hear part of what I have for today today. But you're going to hear the other half or the other second, third, whatever it is, whatever it works out to be in two weeks. Why am I doing that? I could rush through this and I could cram it in and I could get it done and we could blow through it and we could say, man, let's, we had a good Sunday. But I feel like where we are right now in this series is so foundational and so important and so vital to what God is doing right now and what God is going to do the rest of this year and next year and five years from now that I cannot afford to rush through this. Is that okay? So that's what we're going to do. So today I've, I've got an introduction and I've got three main points and a wrap-up. Today we're going to do the introduction in point one. I'm not joking. And then we're going to be done. And then two weeks, we're going to hit point two and point three, and it's going to be awesome. We good? Who's had a great week? My hand didn't go up. Pastor Andrew's hand didn't go up. I need everybody to, before we get started, I need you to, because I'm going to relax a little bit now because I'm going to do half my sermon today. That's a trap I, I might fall into. <laughs> Twan knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's a trap. Before I get started today, when we start talking about the principles that we're going to talk about in this series, because God is a principled God. Not like a principle in school, a principle is in things we live by. He operates on principle. And when we start talking about the principles that we are going to talk about, when we start talking about doing the things that we're going to talk about and taking territory back from our enemy, the, 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 the destroyer of who we are, the accuser of the brethren, when we start doing those kinds of things, it's like who's ever seen a hornet's nest gets upset? Yeah. Some of y'all had first-hand experience. So what happened last week when Pastor Andrew kicked this series off and he made some declarations, he, in essence, kicked the the figurative hornet's nest. And I'm going to be honest with you, he and I both had the week that we we didn't want to have. Things have happened that we didn't want to have happen. We got news that we didn't want to get. It's been an unpleasant week for the most part. So we're not, I know we're not alone. Understand that in this process that we are in, in this walk that we are walking with, with God, things will happen. When you take significant ground from the enemy and you start changing who you are and God starts working in your life and changing and sculpting who, and turning you into who he really created you to be and you start seeing what God can do with your life and realizing some, potent, some potential in it, there are going to be things that crop up in your life. People are going to offend you. You're going to get sideways. People are going to do things to you. Work is going to make you crazy. Your family is going to do things that make you want to whatever. I can't speak violently. All those things are going to happen. And as I was praying this morning, I said, God, I'm at the, I'm at the place this morning where I'm going to have to practice what I preach. What does that mean? It means... 
that I have to realize that what I am facing right now and what I am going through right now and what somebody has said about me or somebody's told me this week or something that's happened, I have to understand and identify that it is a momentary thing that God already has the solution for that I just haven't seen yet. And that is not an easy place to exist. Can anybody understand or identify with what I just said? Because we don't want to be in that in-between space where we're waiting for an answer and we're living in a difficulty and we're feeling something that's, that's threatening us and who we are and our livelihood and all those things. We don't want to hear that news and we don't want to be there. But sometimes we have to be there just simply until God brings solution because there's no problem that he doesn't already have solution for. We're just walking this walk in his time and his plan. So let me say this to you. There's been an unbelievable prophetic spirit in this church the last two weeks. Just let me say this. What you're going through right now does not have to be permanent. It can be. But it doesn't have to be. When we relinquish, there, there's, there's, a, there's a, such a security in relinquishing control to God and giving something to him that when we fully and truly give it to him, the cool thing is we're not responsible for it any longer. That if he's promised it, it will happen. But we don't have to worry about how. We just have to look for the open door when it will. Easier said than done, but that's really how it is. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves as the people who get up here every week, that that's what we have to do because we're fixers by nature. But if we're really going to live this blessed life, if we're really going to do this thing, we have to do it all the way. All in, holding nothing back from God. So let's push through the roadblocks together. Let's not be easily offended. It's hard to do in today's society because everybody gets a trophy. Let's just be honest. Everybody wants things how they want them. And when they're not exactly, like if, if the temperature, I just, sitting up here, technology is amazing. And I, real quick, I want to give a shout out, two shout outs, to the sound man and the video guy. Because all of you know we have this temporary redecoration going on in the back. And they don't have access to their stuff. Christian and the, the video people normally operate on two screens and a computer. The sound dude, Tristan or Aaron or whoever it is, operate on this big, nice digital soundboard. It's all mechanized, and we can't be back there. So Christian's using an iPad. So if the words aren't ever quick enough, sorry, sometimes he's got to scroll back through 26 slides to get to where it's supposed to be, and I'm not exaggerating. So shout out to them. Normally, if something, if something goes wrong in a church service, it's either the sound man's fault or the video guy's fault. So today, we celebrate you. <laughs> that was all free. So let's push through this together. All these circumstances. What does Hebrews say? Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off every weight and sin that slows us down and run with patience the race that's marked out before. So let's push through this together. Let's not be easily offended. Let's not be thin-skinned. Let's realize that we're none of us perfect. We're all going to have moments where we lose our minds. 
And let's just understand that and, and be the family that God intended us to be. And let's work together and let's blow this thing up. We cool? Good. Last week was amazing. I got to recap really quickly. Pastor Andrew said some crazy things like life, like our blessings don't always come like we think they will. And faith isn't just something we say we have, but it's the way we live. A blessed life isn't about instant gratification. And if we look through a blessed life through this lens, we're going to discover more blessings in our life than we really realize that we have. And one thing that really stuck out to me last week was the realization that salvation and favor are not the same. Salvation and favor are not the same. As a matter of fact, they're really far apart. Salvation is free to anybody, 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 anybody. But to experience the favor of God, you have to live by principles that God has set forth himself. So that's the difference in the two. And the blessed life is about favor. The blessed life is about living the principles that God instituted and us living a life set by that pattern. So there's a lot to uncover and a lot to do in this. So, so I, we've broken it down and now I've broken it down again. So it's like the dividing cell. So God works through principles. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and I will heal their land. That's a big if and then a then. If you live by these principles, if you perform these actions, then I will do these things for you in your life. Conditional promises. Give and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing shall men give to you. And we like that scripture because, man, I'm going to get rich. That's not talking about money. The whole chapter is talking about God's grace and grace and how we give it. We receive it how we give it. You give grace, God will give you grace. Read it in context, the whole chapter. And then when it comes to money, God says, test me and see if I won't. If you do this, then I will do this. If you, if you will do what I've asked you to do, in specific, in context, is tithe, then I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you can't contain, and I will rebuke the devourer from your life. Who is the devourer? What did Satan say? What are you doing, Satan? Going around seeing who I can take, who I can take out. That he goes around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. God rebukes the devourer from our lives when we tithe. It's a biblical principle. And people always talk about this being blessed. I'm going to get my blessing. There's even a song. I'm going to get my blessing right now. I can be indignant sometimes. I know I can Things like that. But here's the deal. We get in a church service and we get all wound up singing songs like this. And we get the impression that we can go out and live however we want to live because we all get trophies. And we can do whatever we want to do. And because we come to church on Sunday morning that we're going to get our blessings in our lives. (coughs) That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. That's just, who wants the blessings of God in your life? Y'all scared to raise your hand right now. I know you are. I got two hands. I love that. Two hands up like this. I want the blessings of God in my life. Here's the, here's the deal. If we want the blessings of God, we must simply seek the God of the blessing. That's 
Ouch. It doesn't say come and sit in church on Sunday morning. If we want the blessings of God, we simply need to seek the God of the blessing. And the blessings will follow. So what are we going to do in this series? We're going to uncover principles that God put in place for us to live by. And what we're going to do is by living and enacting those principles, we are going to release the promises or the blessings of God in our life. It's a principle. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and I will heal their land. What blessing in your life is being held up right now because you're not living by a principle? And that's where it gets quiet. What blessing in my life right now is being held up because I'm not living by a principle? I will tell you this. Since I have been studying this for about the past month, I have changed some things in my life that you'll hear about in two weeks. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you the whole punchline. But there, have been, there has been a significant change in the way I do some things. Why? Because I found out I was doing them incorrectly. See? And you think we just get up here and spout some stuff off of what you should do and what you shouldn't do. We get this long before you do. And we get our toes stepped on. We get our mouth punched. We get punched in the stomach. And we get those, oh, my Lord moments. I can't believe I'm doing this or not doing this. We have to deal with those things long before you do. So that's where we are. When we seek the God of the blessing, the blessings will follow. And so if I were to subtitle this today, it would be principles of firsts. Principles of firsts in the blessed life. If you've been here any time at all, you've heard this scripture, Matthew 6, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Let me ask this question to you right out of the gate. I'm going to ask it throughout today and throughout two weeks from now. Is God really first in your life? Pin drop right there. Is God really first in your life? What's the first commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your strength. That's the first commandment. That's the first thing that God said to Moses when he gave him the law, was love God with everything that you are. If God is first, if God is first in your life, everything, everybody say everything, everything, everything will come into order. Everything. Does that mean your life? I love that I can be this slow and deliberate. This took the pressure off going two weeks. If, does that mean everything will be perfect? No, because Jesus said what? In this life, you will have trouble. But take heart because I've overcome the world. It doesn't mean you'll have a perfect life, but I would rather go through life knowing that my life is ordered by God and blessed by God and favored by God than on my own trying to fix everything by myself. That's what I'm talking about. If God is first in your life, everything will come into order. Now let's get, I got to move. Exodus 13, 1 and 2 says, The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all. Everybody say all. All the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. God is a very possessive God. 
He said, everything that is first is mine. He said, the firstborn belongs to me. It is mine, the firstborn. The principle of first. Same chapter, verses 12 and 13. You shall set apart to the Lord all that opens first, the first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn, this is, this is, kind of, this is where we're going to live today. Every firstborn of a donkey getting very specific <laughs> every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb or if you will not redeem it you shall break the neck exactly <laughs> every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem and later we know that God instituted the sacrifices to, to push sin, to reconcile sin every year for mankind. But it said, every firstborn of, your, of, of man among your sons you shall redeem. A donkey will be redeemed <laughs> with a lamb. And if you don't redeem it, break its neck. Dude, that's harsh. That's Old Testament. In other words, if you don't redeem it, you're going to lose it. So you get a donkey, and if you don't sacrifice the lamb to redeem it, you're going to lose it. That's as, as basic as I can break it down. And this principle goes through Scripture... And over the next couple of sessions, I'm going to show you how it goes through Scripture and how it applies. This is the foundation, the, the main building block that we're going to build a, the, the next few weeks around is that every firstborn shall be redeemed with a lamb, and if you don't redeem it, you will lose it. So my first point is this. Ugh. The firstborn must be sacrificed. So you have two choices. Sacrificed or redeemed? Only two options that God gave. Sacrificed or redeemed. How do you know whether to sacrifice or redeem? We're given two categories here. The donkey and the lamb. The lamb is clean. The donkey is unclean. Right? Spiritually, clean, unclean animals. Donkey and lamb. Clean animal, the firstborn must be sacrificed. Unclean animal, you either break its neck or redeem it with sacrifice. So what? I heard that. What? What in the world? It's in my notes. What in the world? <laughs> were we born spiritually clean or were we born spiritually unclean? Unclean. Nobody had to teach us how to lie. We didn't have to go to a class on how to be disobedient. We didn't have to go to a class on how to, ex how to exert our will. I was in a store yesterday and saw this kid just pitching a fit because they wanted a toy. I want that toy. I'm like, I want you to have a spanking. <laughs> that kid didn't have to be taught that. All that had to happen was for the parents to let that kid do and have whatever it wanted to do and have. And that's the result. 
That is not learned behavior. That is innate. That's who we are. That nobody had to teach us to lie, cheat, or steal. Or to lust. Nobody had to teach us that stuff. It all comes naturally because we are born in sin. We're shaping in iniquity. We are born in need of a sacrifice. Y'all see where I'm going with this? Yeah, you should. That's where we're going. So was Jesus born clean or was he born unclean? Oh, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> I was kind of freaked out. Someone was like, unclean. No. He was born pure and sinless and without any problems at all. Jesus was born holy and perfect. That's how he came into the world. So we were born unclean. We're the donkey. Let's, let's, let's talk about it. Jesus spoke through a... Yes, a donkey. That's the kind word for it. But Jesus spoke through a donkey, and he is pure. He is holy. So in this equation, we are the donkey. He is the lamb. You see where, you see where we're going, right? We're born in sin. We're sinful by nature, and Jesus was born holy. Exodus 13 said the clean had to be sacrificed for the unclean to be redeemed. There we go. That's why, that's why I want to take this very deliberately and slowly. The clean had to be sacrificed for us to be redeemed. This is how significant this principle at first is. God modeled when he became flesh. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Firstborn, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Can I go as far to say as Jesus was the tithe? <laughs> Some of y'all are like, I'm leaving. <laughs> when Jesus, when, when John the Baptist saw Jesus, what did he say? Behold the Lamb of God. What sacrificed? The clean, the lamb. Who are we? The donkey, the Gentile, the dog. Behold the Lamb of God. This is what John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus, the, the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Ah! God in flesh demonstrating the principle of first. I'm telling you something right now. If you will stay like you are right now through this entire series and you put these principles into action in your life, your life will be changed. I don't care where it is right now. It will be changed for the better. If you think you're experiencing the blessings of God now, you have no idea. I believe that God has blessings for us that we haven't even dreamt of yet. Because I have been going to church since I was well enough to be out of the hospital. I was a sick baby. So I was a minute. Every week, every, like four times a week, I went to church. I have never in my life done some things like I'm doing them now. Why? Because the principle of firsts. This blew my mind. So I hope you're with me. Jesus was a lamb. He was the sacrifice. He redeemed us. He embodied the principle of firsts. He modeled it when... 
for God so loved the world that he gave. He said the firstborn, what? Males are all whose? His. Not the pick, not, not just one of the litter. You know, have you, have you ever seen a litter of puppies and there's always the runt or the one that's not just the right color and they're priced cheaper than everybody else? These are $1,450, but this one's $800. And you really want to spend only $800, but you want the $1,400. My, my kids love dogs. My wife loves dogs, and, and they want another dog. And I, It's just it's a lot of work. And they have to go to the bathroom and stuff. And, and I, somebody I know in, in, in Indiana has, has these Labradoodle puppies. And, you know, they're, they're cute and they're adorable. And we have, a, we have a multi-poo. She's eight pounds. So she's manageable. She doesn't shed. She doesn't, she doesn't stink. She doesn't make me sick. All those things. So these Labradoodle puppies are so cute. And I'm like, hey, look at the puppies. We want one. <laughs> so I go to the site. 1400 1800 I'm like, No. <laughs> But the principle of firsts, we've all seen them run, or the one that was weird. I was trying to buy Sierra a pig for her birthday. Her mom said no. But I was trying to buy her a pig. She's not in here, is she? Okay, good. Sierra wants a pig, a little one, a teacup pig. And I was going to buy her. I'm like, Uncle Scott will buy you a pig. It's his 16th birthday. It's a big one. Her mom said no, but I'm looking at I'm trying to find pigs. And like these black ones and pink ones, and then there's like this one that's all all the colors. And see, the principle of first says we pick out the first one. It's the first one out, not the one that will bring the least amount of money, not the one that's a little bit sick or a little bit small. Bring the first one. That's the principle of the first. Remember when the plagues were happening in Egypt, when the, when the Israelites were slaves, and the firstborn male of all the Egyptians died? That was one of the plagues. Why didn't that happen to the Israelites? Because it was already being modeled what Jesus was going to do. A lamb was sacrificed. The blood was placed over and on the sides of the door so the angel would pass over them and those kids would be spared. A lamb was sacrificed and blood applied for them. When the children of Israel went into the promised land, God said in Joshua 6, bring all the silver and gold that you find in Jericho and bring it to me. Bring it to the house of God. Bring it all. And they marched around Jericho, they blew their trumpets, and, and they did their thing, and the walls fell, they went in, they, they just wrecked Jericho. They burned it, and they brought all the silver and gold out. But one dude, one dude held on to some silver, held on to some robes, and he hid them in the floor of his tent. His name was Achan. <laughs> his name was Achan. And he kept some silver, and he kept some gold, thereby defying the order of God. So they went to their next battle and they lost handily. And this is in Joshua 7, way before Malachi. Joshua 7. Joshua is falling on his face before God saying, God, what in the world? I thought you were with us. I thought it was our promise. I thought we were going to just go through and wreck the promised land and possess it. Why? Why did we lose? Why did we lose men? Why is this happening to us? And God spoke to Joshua and said, because one of your dudes 
kept some silver and kept some gold, and I asked you for all of it. Why is all of it significant? Because Jericho was the first city they came to in the promised land. The principle of first. And God asked for all of the firsts. Right? So, long story short, they brought everybody up. Achan was found out. They stoned him. Gone. Done. No tolerance. And they went on conquering. The principle of first. In Joshua 7, it echoes what, what God said in Malachi. He said, Israel has lied to me. They've stolen from me, and they are cursed. That's why you lost, Joshua, because I told you to bring me all of the spoils from this city because it's the first one. It's the principle of the first. This one's sacrificed so the rest of them can be redeemed. If, they had, if Achan hadn't done what he did, I believe the cities would have fallen. Boom, 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 like dominoes. But because Achan disobeyed and kept money back and kept, kept it buried in his tent for himself, I believe that principle, right, the principle of first, because he disobeyed what the word of God said. God said in Joshua 7, echoed, actually he said it first, he echoed it in Malachi. When, when, when the scripture says that we're, that we're robbing God. Israel lied to me. They stole from me, and now they are cursed. And they, they had to rectify what was going on, and then they went on winning. The first position, the first portion, has the redemptive power. The principle of firsts. I'm almost finished. When you give the first, everybody say first. first. When you give the first to God, the rest is redeemed. You either sacrifice it, you either give it to God, redeem it, or you kill it. You break its neck. The first 10%, and this is financially I'm talking now, the first 10% must, everybody say must, must, go to God. Only he has the power to redeem the other 90%. Remember Pastor Andrew last week talking about a blessed 90% will go further than a cursed 100%? It's true. Some of you have started this, this principle in the last six months, and we've heard story after story about side hustle and extra money and this happening and that happening, this being made up. Let me tell you a story about, about the other way. When I was 19 years old, I had been on active duty in the Marine Corps, and I came, I came home for a minute, and I bought a car. And I still own this car today. It was, my first car was a Trans Am. This was a Firebird Formula, and it was, it was red. It was fast. It was fun, all these things. And I was working, and to be honest, to be just really honest, like I'm not always... Keep saying that. I was trying to do what I wanted to do and, and, what, and not what God wanted me to do at 19. And I decided that I, I grew up watching my dad and my mom write tie checks. Grew up, and I, sometimes I would get mad. And one time I, I, I wanted something, and, and we didn't always have a ton of money. Actually, most of the time we didn't have a ton of money. Lived paycheck to paycheck a lot, and my dad worked his tail off 60, 70 hours a week. And, and I wanted something one time and it cost some money and I saw a tide check in the checkbook. I'm like, why don't you just get me this instead of doing that? If you know my dad, actually he was real gentle this time. And he said, because that's God's. And that was a principle that he wouldn't negotiate. 
and that leads to God's blessings. Well, I decide at the, at the mature and wise age of 19. I was working. I hadn't gone to college yet. I had just, I had just been in the Marine Corps, and, and um, I decided I wasn't going to tithe because I wanted to keep that money. And I had bought this car that had 50,000 miles on it, and it was fun. It was great. Girls loved it. And it was, I was having a good time, and I was working, doing my thing, and, and it broke down. I was driving down the road, and it just fell flat on its face. It wouldn't run. And I had spent my senior year working at a General Motors dealership, detailing cars and all those kinds of things. And it was, I knew people there, so I took it, dropped it off. And, man, this car was in great shape. They just they couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. Scanned it. Changed this part. Changed this part. They called me. They said, we have, you have a bill of $725. And your car isn't fixed yet. And I said some things. And I thought some things. And I talked to my dad about it. And if you know my dad, what do you think he said? He said, no, he asked me, son, <laughs> are you paying your tithes? I said, no. <laughs> he said, well, why are you asking then? Why are you asking why your car is broke down? Why are you asking that you got to pay money to fix your car? Because if you don't do that, stuff like that's going to happen. And long story short, a $28 part fixed my car. $28. But because they had scanned it and changed the mass airflow sensor and all kinds of crazy, and that's when they were expensive because they had just come out in 1987. It was a ton of money. And as I was studying for this, I, I, just, I remember the, the, how much the bill was. And I remember how much money I was making. And I remember how long I didn't pay tithes. So just for grins and giggles, I did some math on the calculator. It was within $10. Within $10 of the money I had held back from God. That's how much my car repair was. That was actually $10 more. Redeemed. Redeemed. Or break its neck. Yes. 